Well, last week we spent our time together uh, looking back, uh, reminding ourselves and remembering all the things that God has been up to. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy, especially on social media, to the, maybe you've heard the new term just doom scrolling. You just keep swiping and everything's bad news and bad news and bad news and bad news and bad news. And you just get stuck in this cycle and think, man, good riddance to 2020. Let's never think about it ever again. And so that's why it was so important that we, we stopped and we looked back and we heard from uh, so many people of, of things that, that God has been doing and God is working. And again, we, we get to celebrate two babies being born in the last uh, couple of weeks as well. I mean, that, that's, that's good news. That's stuff happening uh, that we don't want to forget. We got to look back and remind ourselves that he has still displayed his power, his goodness, his faithfulness, and his kindness over the past year. And again, it was so great to hear from so many of you to, to put that video together, to, to hear you comment in the chat as well as we, as we remember. That service is always a highlight for me. This morning, uh, we want to look forward. We want to look forward with some anticipation to, to the year that is to come. Uh, we flipped the calendar over, it's somehow now 2021, and so we want to uh, look forward and, and anticipate what we're trusting God to do in this next year. As I prepared this week, this is kind of the, the typical first Sunday, we, we, we cast the vision again, we talk about mission, and we, we make plans, and we look at how we're going to execute those plans, and so I was looking at some past messages that we've talked about around mission and vision, and I was thinking about Jesus' call to go and make disciples, and, and, and all these sorts of things, and so often this, this vision Sunday, if you will, this, this looking forward Sunday is one where it's just kind of a, kind of a, a pep rally, if you will. It's, it's where we stand up, someone stands up and gives a, a stirring message to where we're, we're all ready to just burn the ships and charge into battle. One of the, the, the best, I think, vision analogies that, that I've heard, a pastor in the States was talking about how, you know, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, your name is Rock, and on, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And he said, listen, the gates, they're, they're a defensive mechanism. They don't attack. They just try to withstand. And so he said, listen, church, we are like rhinos. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I, you know, I, okay, Christmas maybe wasn't so good to me. But he's like, no, 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 rhinos, when they start to charge into the future, they can only see about 60 feet in front of them. And they're big beasts, and so they get going, and if you're in their way, just get out of their way. The gates need to get out of the way of the rhinos because there's no stopping a rhinos. I, I love that picture. But honestly, as I was preparing this week, and especially got, you know, Tuesday and, and Wednesday, I thought, you know what, I don't think I have that message in me this week. I don't, I don't, I don't have that charge into battle, that burn the ships uh, message this week. And honestly, I, I'm not sure it's one that you want to hear either. I think it might be even a little bit tone deaf to, to head that way and, and preach about how we're rhinos this morning with all that's going on around COVID and shutdowns and a quiet Christmas and all these sorts of things. It's, it's not at all that I'm not looking into this new year with great expectation. There, there are some things that I'm looking forward to, absolutely, it's, it's not at all that we don't have some amazing things on the horizon that we're stepping into here at Trinity either. And it's, it's not that my faith in God and his missions has been, has been shaken to its core. 
In fact, I am encouraged. I am excited. And I am a little bit even, frankly, nervous about what God is going to ask of me and us in this next season. Anybody with me? Like, we, we've got this anticipation. I got at least one hand in the room. Thank you. We've got this excitement. And yet, I think we need to sort of take a different approach. And so we're going to talk about where, where we as elders believe that God is leading us into this next year. We're going to talk about how we're hoping and trusting God to build his kingdom in the Bow Valley. But let me start with reading, I think, a bit of a different mission text to you. I'm going to read it in a little bit of a newer translation just to kind of keep your attention. I know if it, often for me, if I start to, to read a familiar passage or hear someone say familiar words, I can just kind of tune out and think about the snow on the ski hills or something else. Something else. So let me read this for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my soul. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. And you prepare a table for us in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. These words are, are from the 23rd Psalm. Maybe you did recognize them. It's probably the best-known psalm and, and one of the top favorited passages in the whole Bible. It, it's a beautiful piece, and, and it's applicable to our time right now, I think, especially because it's a confidence psalm. These words were, were written by King David as he, he pours out hopes and fears and uncertainty, but ultimately he trusts in God. Over the, the past couple of months, I, I've read through the, the history section in the Old Testament, and I've reminded that it wasn't all roses for Israel. It wasn't roses for King David as well. And he had a long period of waiting from the time when he was anointed as king, and Samuel said, you, David, will be the next king of Israel. And there was a long time before he actually stepped into that role. And during those decades, decades David often fought for his life, ran for his life. He was being hunted. This was not an easy, restful, comfortable life that David lived. He knew exactly what it meant to live a life of disruption, disappointment, fear, of, of messing up royally, but yet still following the Lord. So even though we shouldn't follow all of David's actions, and examples that he left us with, this is a treasure of a psalm that points us towards Jesus. One writer notes that David isn't praying in this psalm. He's not asking God to do something for him, but rather he is rejoicing in what the Lord has done and continues to do in his life. And so as we head into 2021, let's look at, at this psalm and let's rejoice as we did last week with what God has done and continues to do and will do in our lives. As we do, let me just pull maybe a couple things out of this psalm. Again, it's familiar, yet I think we can always 
learn more, and I know that the Holy Spirit continues to speak to me, even out of familiar passages. A couple of things here. First, again, look how David opens. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, us with our post-Christmas 2020 2021 hindsight as well, we can put the word Jesus in between Lord and is. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't live the life of a shepherd. I never grew up on a farm. I didn't, uh, didn't visit any shepherds growing up. And so I think we can often take this opening verse, this opening statement for granted. Uh, regardless of our familiarity with, with sheep and shepherds, what are, what are some things that you think a shepherd does for the sheep? And if you're watching online, if you've got your comments open, drop in the comments the things that, that the shepherd will do for his sheep. Let me say this. In those days, the shepherd was the, the lowest, the most menial work of those days. If, if a family needed a shepherd, it was the youngest child that got it, the youngest son, like David, that was given the task of being the shepherd. They lived 24-7 with the sheep out in the fields. They were, they were constantly looking out for them. Now, Sheep aren't the brightest creatures on the planet. They have no defense mechanism. They have no real sense of danger. And so they were constantly getting themselves in trouble. And so the shepherd was always on high alert as he paid attention to those sheep. All day, every day, summer, winter, sunny, rainy, in times of plenty, in times of famine, the shepherd was responsible to lead and guide and feed and protect these foolish, vulnerable animals. Nobody in those days chose to be a shepherd. And yet David, who knew exactly what he was talking about here, he says, actually, you know what? The Lord, the God of Israel, Yahweh, is my shepherd. And as I mentioned, we can, with our New Testament glasses, look back and say, Jesus is our shepherd. And actually, Jesus did say this himself, and we will get to it eventually in our Gospel of John, where he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will give up his life for the sheep. So friends, here's your encouragement for the morning. We are sheep. We're vulnerable. Uh, We're not very bright. We're, we're easily distracted by shiny things that draw us away from the safety of the shepherd and the sheepfold. And yet Jesus came to, to lead a perfect life, and, and he came to live a life that was our example of how to live. But more than that, he came to be the ultimate sacrifice for us so that he would take away the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins, for our rebellion, for all the ways that we have walked our own ways. And he steps in between the danger and the sheep. And Jesus protects us from being ultimately and eternally separated from God. See, here's the thing that we, we can't miss when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And, we, and Jesus says, I am your shepherd. The God of the universe took on the lowliest job, the shepherd, for you and for me. That's good news. The Lord is my shepherd. David moves on and says, because of that, the Lord is my shepherd, and so I have all that I need. I have what I need. With, with the Lord as our shepherds, David had all his needs met, 
and we do too. Not our desires, but our needs. There's a critical difference there. He writes that that we find rest. He says, he lets me, my shepherd lets me lie down in green pastures. What what do you think a a green pasture would represent? There's there's a couple of things at least, both both nourishment and leisure and rest. If, If the pasture was green and the grass was lush, food was plenty, and if the shepherd was letting the flock lie down, he lets me lie down in green pastures. If they were able to lay down instead of the shepherd driving them forward and onward to find somewhere else, this was a time for rest. Sheep had food. They didn't even have to stand up to get their food. They could lay down and just eat. It was a time for rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all, who you, all you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'm the shepherd. I'll, I'll take you to those green pastures. He goes on and says, he renews my life or he restores my soul. See, here's the thing. When, when we realize our limitations, when we realize that, that we're shouldering burdens in this life that we weren't meant to carry on our own, and we hand those things to Jesus, it changes everything. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden all our troubles are gone and things are just smooth sailing the rest of the way. We're never promised that. But we're not alone. We have Jesus with us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to carry us through, and we have access to the wisdom and knowledge of God to help us persevere. He renews my life. And God doesn't do any of this to make us think highly of ourselves. Hey, wait, this is pretty easy. There's a nice green pasture for me to lay down here. But he does it for his name's sake, to make his name great. David continues, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I'll fear no danger because you're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. I don't know about you, but at least in in my reading of this lately, one of the key words, maybe the key word in verse 4 is the word through. Yes, there are going to be dark valleys. And yes, there will be a darkest valley. And maybe we're not even there yet. But even when I go through the darkest valley, God is with us. He's, He's with us whether we realize it or not. And guess what? He's with us whether we acknowledge it or not. In this verse, David mentions two tools. He mentions the rod, which was like a a club-like weapon to protect against predators. And he mentions the staff, which was a long pole with a crook that would, would guide the sheep where he wanted them to go, where the shepherd wanted him to go. So Jesus is with us going through the darkest valley with his rod and his staff. He is our shepherd. He protects us from our greatest enemy of Satan, sin, and death. And, and similarly, he came to reveal the Father to us. So he guides us and leads us in how to, to go and how to live and how to have abundant life. That's why Jesus came, to guide us, to protect us, to give his life for us. In the last two verses, the scene shifts from outdoors to indoors, from from the the shepherd's field to a banquet table. And here we're we're reminded not just that, that God is with us and guiding us and protecting us, but God has invited us and he is hosting us. He wants to be with us constantly and abundantly. 
David points to just how great God's care is when he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, when people come to my house, I don't usually anoint their head with oil. So one writer helpfully notes for us, in those days, it was, it was customary for the host to receive a guest by anointing him with a fragrant perfume, which would be very costly. And then he would receive the guest by, by a, giving them a cup filled with, with just choice wine. In this way, the host indicated that, that nothing was considered too good for his guest. So how does the Lord welcome us in? He anoints our head with oil, the oil that runs down. He gives us all he can. He, he gives us a cup, not just a, a cup of choice wine, but a cup that is overflowing and overflowing. Nothing's too good for his guests. We're reading that, that God's care for us goes above and beyond anything we can ask or imagine, anything a worldly host could give us. Nothing of God's is too good for us. God, God loved us so much that he held nothing back. John three sixteen and 17 remind us, for God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Romans chapter 8 also reminds us that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? David recognizes this invitation to that banqueting table, and so we can as well. And out of all this, it leads David to declare, and I think we can also declare, in light of the shepherd being with us, in light of him leading us into green pastures, in light of him carrying us through the darkest valleys, in light of us anointing our heads with oil and giving us a, a cup that overflows, surely goodness and God's faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. See, that's, that's the God that we serve. That's, that's the God who loves us. And that's the God who is leading us into 2021, both as individuals and as a church. So maybe this isn't the most raw, raw, let's go get them uh, passage or sermon or message, but listen, if someone's willing to do that for me, how much more should I be able to do the same thing for him? Whatever God asks of me, whatever Jesus asks of me, he's already done so much. He's, he's done it all. Okay, Jesus, I'm in. Let's go. So what are we looking forward to in 2021? First, let me, let me offer a bit of a challenge to, to you as individuals. We've, we've all found in these last nine, coming up on ten months, uh, maybe a little more time on our hands, some with more than others. And if you're having church online, you've actually saved travel time down to our in-person gathering each week. So if you're saying, listen, I don't have any extra time, I just found you 20 to 40 minutes a week because you're not driving down to the building. So you're welcome. The challenge, how are you using this time? How are, how are you using this disruption to allow God to work in you? mentioned one way we can use our time, I would suggest it's not a good, is to pick up our devices and just doom scroll and just keep looking at all the pictures and all the, the comments and all the things that are no good and just, man, this is a, right? That's no good. Let me challenge you to spend more time with the Lord, the one who's just given us everything, right? We just looked at that. And to spend some time in the Bible. 
We've got a number of reading plans uh, on our website, but let me encourage you to, to find one, to, to start a, even a through-the-Bible reading plan. It can be a Bible in a year, a Bible in two years, Bible in three years. Whatever it is, find one, choose it, start it, and see it through. One of the, one of the best ways to see a reading plan through is to do it with someone else. To, to at least check in, whether it's a spouse or kids or friends or whoever, just find someone to say, hey, this is what I read this week. Here's what I think God's saying. I've been challenged as well, similarly, on this, this Bible reading idea, habit, discipline, spiritual discipline, to balance my own reading between two types. I think there's two types. Uh, reading to become familiar and reason, reading to, to grow in intimacy. Kind of familiar reading versus intimate reading. Now, some reading plans, they're, they're just designed to get you familiar with the text. And I would suggest probably, for most of us, the Bible in a year plans fit into this category. Uh, there's another one called uh, Professor Horner's Bible Reading System. It's been around for a while, so maybe you've heard of it. But this plan, what it does is it asks you, asks you to read one chapter a day from 10 different sections and just keep going. Now, 10 chapters a day is a lot. It can take, you know, 30 to 45 minutes a day. So I would suggest that you're not going to do any deep dives in that plan. I was working through this a few years ago, and one of the things that I noticed is I, I made it through you know, a, a few months into this thing, and, and as the sections start to repeat themselves, and you, you, know, you read the book of Acts every month, and the book of Proverbs every month, and, and the Gospels, you read to the end, and you start over and keep going through them. As I worked through this plan, I, I really grew in familiarity with the text. All of a sudden, I could connect more and more dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I could see places that the New Testament was quoting the Old Testament. Familiarity is important. It's really important. So choose a, a plan like that, whether it's a Bible in a year, whether it's whatever else. One to just consume the Word. But on the flip side, you may want to choose just one single book and just plan to spend the whole year going through it verse by verse over and over again may only be four or five chapters, but just keep going through it a verse at a time, a couple of verses at a time, asking the Lord to, to speak to you through it, to, to dig deep and, and asking Jesus to, to, to give you uh, a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper intimacy with him through those few verses at a time. It's in, in these times, I, I think the familiarity uh, plans help us to grow in our understanding of, of the meta-narrative, of the, what the Bible's talking about, but I think it's, it's these more intimate plans, you know, spending a month in Galatians or whatever, where, where a relationship with Jesus can grow in ways that it can't when we're just consuming the text. We need, we need a balance of both. I've mentioned before that, that I really appreciate the YouVersion app. I use it all the time. I have multiple plans on the, on the go to help balance this. Some are a bunch of reading every day, and, and some are just a couple of verses to consider. So, how are you spending your time? Let me challenge you to spend it in God's word. The second personal challenge is to look at your own spiritual habits, your own spiritual disciplines. See, what are you, what are you working on strategically? What are you putting effort into? What are you habitually doing to grow in your relationship to the Lord? Back in September, as a church, we, we looked at the, the discipline or the habit of silence and solitude. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going for you. I'd love to check in. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at Sabbath, which is quite similar, actually, to Silence and Solitude, so it'll be a bit of a recap. As we go forward through the year, we're going to other, hit some other habits or disciplines like prayer and scripture and community. 
What are you doing to strategically and habitually grow in your relationship with the Lord? Because if we're not putting effort in, we are not growing. And I would suggest if we don't put the effort in, we're actually getting farther from Jesus because other things are grasping at our time and attention. So that's my, my challenge to you as individuals. As a, as a church, moving forward, we've said that we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And as we've, we've talked about how we want to do this around the elders' table, we've, we've borrowed some language that we may tune up a little bit more going forward, but we borrowed some language to help us stay on track towards this mission, to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so what we're saying that we want to do is, first of all, we want to evangelize the lost. We, we want people to have an encounter with Jesus. We want people to meet Jesus. We want to see Jesus at work in and through us as a church. And so we, we want to focus on that. The next step is we want to assimilate the evangelized. Once people know Jesus, have, have, a, have a connection to Jesus and his church, we want to, to welcome them into community. Obviously, that looks a little bit different right now because we're not gathered on Sundays. People that, that have moved to our area too might, might fit into this thing. Maybe, maybe they were evangelized somewhere else. They have a relationship with Jesus, but then we want to uh, assimilate them to welcome them into a community together. Now, let me just be super clear that assimilate here does not mean we want everyone to look the same, act the same, sing the same, read the same, all the stuff. We're aiming for unity and, conf- and community, not uniformity. And there's a really significant difference. Unity, not uniformity. So we want to evangelize the lost. We want to assimilate the evangelized. And then we want to disciple the assimilated. As you engage in the community of Trinity Bible Church, and there are several ways, we want you to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and and what he's done and, and who I am in light of that and how do I live that identity out. So that's the process of being discipled. And then we want to unleash the discipled, which kind of restarts the cycle. Did you notice that? So everything we want to do wants to fit into one of these categories. And as you'll see, uh, these things may fit into multiple categories as well. So some of the things we're looking forward to in this next season, uh, this next year here at Trinity. New City Catechism. We started it right off the top. Uh, Catechism isn't a a common word necessarily for us, but it's ultimately a a summary of the principles of Christianity, the the core beliefs and doctrines in the form of questions and answers. And so we started this this morning with one. We've chosen to use this uh, New City Catechism material put out by Crossway Publisher because it's really solid and it's really versatile. Uh, There's an app that you can get for uh, either platform from Google or the Apple Store. There's a book. I happen to have it right here. It looks like this. And there's, uh, you know, a kid's version of the book, too. There's actually kids' songs that go with each week to help them memorize these truths. And you can find those in the app or on their website. And so, so parents, not only is this to help us uh, nail these doctrines down in our own lives, but it's to help us disciple our kids. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. We can, we can do things together, and we can read the Bible together, but I, I need some tools. I need some help. And I think this is a, a really useful tool, a really helpful tool for us to, to teach uh, our kids to follow Jesus. Because here's the thing. If, if we don't teach our kids the answers to life's biggest questions, our culture our schools, 
our friends, their kids' friends, they happily will teach them. So each week, starting as we did earlier today, we're going to look at one of these questions. We'll look at a question and answer, and then there is that scripture passage to memorize during the week. This week's was Romans 14, 7, and 8. We'll post these on our, on our website and social media as well. It'll be in the direction so we can kind of have a couple reminders during the week of the question, answer, and scripture reading. I will mention as well, we do have uh, a few copies of the kids' book available, so if you want one of those, let me know. Uh, send me a note, and we'll get it to you. And so one of the things that, that I, I, I see this doing is, is uh, this is a, a way that we can build community as a church too. Because we're all working through the same questions. We're all trying to memorize, uh, for better or worse, memorize uh, Scripture together. And I know that I am far more likely to, to work and, and strive to memorize those verses if I know that next Sunday my tech team's going to say, okay, so Sean, what was the verse from last week? The next thing, uh, grief share. Kay is running another grief share session. It's starting uh, February 11th. It's uh, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, I've got Thursdays in my notes. I hope the 11th is a Thursday. Uh, it's on our website as well, trinitycamera.com slash griefshare is a registration link. I've seen that also been posted online as well. We're going to continue with some online studies. Uh, the men's Zoom breakfast will pick up going through uh, Generous Justice, a book by Tim Keller. Uh, we're looking forward to starting some others as well. Uh, we're hoping to, to, to run an online introduction to Jesus and faith group, something like Alpha or Christianity Explained, to run you know, one or two times through that material this year as well. We've got uh, small groups. We've got a, a care group. Rob and Kathy and Vernon Idell have been running one. We'd, we'd like to multiply and, and start up another one, a uh, similarly-minded group to that as well. We're going to keep doing services online. There's, there's lots of reasons to, to stay online. As, as mentioned in the past, our, our reach is big. It's, it's easy to connect with people who are not in uh, you know, this building when we're online. So we want to keep continue to, to work as well on, at growing our online presence to, to, to reach uh, our neighbors through social media as well. And we would love to add to our, our online and social media and, and tech teams as we do that. We've also circled and, and, and are hopeful that we can plan or, or partner and host a, a day camp or a VBS, the Vacation Bible Study, this summer. Uh, we're still sorting out details of what might that might look like. Obviously, uh, there may be some restrictions we have to deal with as well, but, but again, one of our, our key hopes is that we can uh, be a, a service and a hope to, to families in the valley uh, to, to help kids meet Jesus and, and grow in their faith, and so that's a, a really great way that we can do a, a number of things on that list. Uh, finally, for this morning, I, I suspect I've, I've missed some things because there are always many things going on. We do anticipate making some, some big strides in our Seeking God's Direction campaign. And so just to give you a, a, a sort of catch up and, a, and an update on where we are with that, uh, we've got a video that Chris Mink put together. He's on our, our design team, our, our looking to the future team uh, with that. So let's run that video. Hello, Trinity. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris Mink. I am thrilled to share an update on our Seeking God's Direction building project as we step into 2021. I want to share with you three main notions. First, prayer. Second, plan. And third, proceed. 
prayer. It takes much more than a few phone calls and some great resources to make a project a success. First, it takes prayer. Continued prayer needs to come not only from our core design team and church elders, but from each one of you. These collective prayers will guide the design team and our church elders as we seek God's leadership and guidance in our decision-making. So thank you. Thank you for your prayers as we move through this exciting process. Second is plan. Since October 2020, we have been very busy planning for this project. We started by forming a design team made up of Warren Lippitt, Mike Fromeau, and myself. The design team has been collaborating weekly and putting pen to paper to develop a request for proposal, or RFP. This RFP was circulated December 22, 2020, to six researched design contractor consultants. We pre-screened all the design contractor consultants and feel confident they will reply to the RFP with exciting response packages. It's important to know we have fully explored contracting strategy to ensure the design scope will meet our pre-identified needs. We also established the importance of responsible fund management and reflected this in the RFP. To quote the RFP, we're looking for design creativity coupled with effective construction techniques to maximize the results of every dollar spent per square foot of building. It's important to note the majority of funds have been donated by sacrificial giving from the congregation, and we are committed to being good stewards of these gifts. Thirdly, proceed. With the outpouring of generosity towards the Seeking God's Direction Capital Campaign, we are set to proceed with the project. In the coming weeks, the design team will reconvene and continue working on schedule to support key milestones for the project. We'll be hosting building site visits for all the design contractor consultants in mid to late January 2021 as they prepare to respond to the RFP. Getting to know each one of the responding groups is key to ensuring we have a good contractor to owner fit. Our team will be reviewing all the, res the proposal responses and present the results to the church elders to make final selection. We expect the award to award the first phase of the project in mid-March 2021. At this point, we're targeting to start construction in spring 2022 and complete construction late fall of the same year. To conclude, with all the ongoing prayer, we plan to proceed. So thank you so much to all of you who are supporting the project through your prayers and financial gifts. Should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email us at building at trinitycanmore.com. That's building at trinitycanmore.com. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. So even though we, we maybe aren't talking about burning the ships, charging the gate, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, and I hope that you are excited for the future as we strive towards building God's kingdom and evangelizing the lost, assimilating the evangelized, discipling the assimilated, 
and unleashing the disciple. Let me close and, and pray for us as, uh, as we pray for God's unleashing as we launch into 2021. God, thank you for this time this morning. I, I just wanna, want to pray uh, that psalm for us, that you, Jesus, are our shepherd and we have what we need. You let us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside quiet waters. You renew our lives. You lead us along the right paths for your namesake. And even when we go through the darkest valleys, we will fear no danger for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table for us in the presence of, of any enemies and you anoint our heads with oil and our cups overflow. In light of all this, only goodness and faithful love will pursue us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as we live. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for these words that have meant so much to so many people over the, the centuries and centuries and centuries since they were first penned. I pray, uh, Jesus, that you would continue to lead us and guide us as individuals and as your church here in the Bow Valley. And that you would unleash your people as we launch into 2021. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.